Welcome to the Irish Legislation Podcast with me, Barry Ward, a podcast looking at legislation as it passes through Oireachtas Air in our National Parliament. This week we're going to look at two bills that deal with the, I suppose, legislating for e-scooters and electric scooters that are currently in a grey area within the law. And I'm delighted to be joined by Fine Gael's Deputy for Dublin Fingal, Alan Farrell, and Fianna Fáil's Deputy for Dublin Southwest, John Lahart. Gentlemen, thanks very much for joining us. Happy to be here. Good to be here. Uh, Alan, I might, I might say you both have private members' bills that do slightly different things in this area. And uh, it's not clear yet exactly what the government is going to do, but they have said, as I understand it, that they do want to do something and they do want to regularise the situation with electric scooters. Alan, your bill is called the Road Traffic Amendment Personal Light Electric Vehicles Bill 2021. Can you talk us through what's in that and what it's going to do? Well, of course, uh, Barry, happy to. Um, well, firstly, the personal light electric vehicle comes from the definitions uh, in EU regulation, namely EU 168 from 2013, which sets out, uh, among other things, the structure of, uh, of a personal light electric vehicle, what they are, their power output and other things. Um, so the bill is really a hat tip to um, European legislation or European regulation in the field. Um, and what it, it attempts to do is to, as you say, uh, regularise a grey area in Irish law that electric scooters are neither illegal nor neither legal nor illegal. Um, and that goes back to the 1961 um, Road Traffic Act, which um, sets out the definitions for vehicles which are classified as mechanically propelled vehicles or not and or vehicles that are required to be insured or not. Um, and sadly, unless you own a road train or a car, uh, you're not covered, um, um, or indeed a bicycle. So in this instance, my bill seeks to uh, treat them as bicycles effectively. Um, it covers both um, electric scooters and electric bicycles. And really what it seeks to do is to give structure to the definitions as to what they are in law. I mean, in reality, these things are everywhere. I mean, I certainly see, I have confess I have an electric scooter myself, um, but I see all around town people on electric scooters and delivery people on electric bicycles as well. Correct. And, and really, you know, it is an emerging market. It is an enormous market globally. Um, like yourself, I have an electric scooter too, although I only use it on private property. Uh, but it should be said, you know, it, it's a little on the frustrating side that Irish law is so defined so as not to be flexible enough to allow uh, for these devices to be used. Um, and what I also seek to do is to apply certain safety standards, such as a speed limit, uh, such as a power output, um, and in recognition of the fact that there's a dearth of vehicles that are available online at varying degrees of power output and most concerning speed limits. Um, I give you an, an anecdotal story that I got from a motorcycle company in uh, on the south side of Dublin, in fact, uh, who reported to me that a very uh, good client of theirs came with a, an electric bike that he simply couldn't figure out how to put it together, having ordered it from China. And when and reluctantly, they agreed to assist him because he was a repeat customer and uh, they assisted in putting it together. And when it was on the road, the, the maximum speed limit, at which point the user stopped accelerating, was 90 kilometers per hour, nine zero. Um, and he felt that, of course, that was just ridiculous. Um, so there is a need for us to look at electric bikes as well, though they are, broadly uh, speaking, uh, legal. Um, such things as, um, you know, a, a throttle, uh, auto throttles, which are common at these devices, both scooters and bikes, 
uh, need to be removed from the market. And that is because once you get to a speed, uh, a certain speed uh, that the device allows at present, it will hold that speed. Um, and I don't think that that is, 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 uh, should be permitted. Uh, but certainly for a user to be able to accelerate up to the maximum speed is perfectly acceptable. Um, but, you know, these we need to, to get to grips with these as quickly as we can, as you rightly say. There are tens of thousands of them, particularly on the scooter side in the Irish market. And at the moment, there's very little regulation uh, as to where they come from and their standard. John, um, both of these bills were introduced last month in March 2021. Uh, your bill, John, does something slightly different. Is that right? Or achieves the same thing slightly differently, maybe it'd be a better way to put it. Yeah, actually, just, I mean, I had read Alan's bill, and no doubt he's read mine. And um, so mine is the Road Traffic Amendment Electric Scooter Trials Bill. And it strikes me, actually, that a marriage of the two of them um, would be ideal. Um, it's hard to know where to start, Barry. Like, it's the whole micro-mobility space. And look, you're two guys, we're three guys, happen to be guys, Um who clearly have uh, been on e-bikes and have used e-scooters. Uh, I fell in love with the Segway experience about six or seven mm. years ago. And what strikes me always about legislators is the amount of them that have not been on any of these. And I think it's an area that really you need to experience them to know the uh, the beauty of them, the potential of them, and also the drawbacks of them. Uh, like Alan, I've probably been following this maybe for three years, have seen how the how technology, um, whether it's GPS technology or just the robustness of the manufacture, the build quality has increased exponentially. Um, the safety features have increased uh, incredibly and how they've harnessed, the manufacturers have harnessed the best of technology that I think could make a significant difference. I suppose what my Bill would like to see do is what they did in England. And let's look, acknowledge the fact that the department is moving very slowly, but at least they have, the ministers got them into the space. And um, now we, we have to try and kind of, uh, if you pardon the metaphors, accelerate, accelerate it. I was very taken with the UK approach where they didn't legislate for it. They regulated, for, uh, regulated it at the beginning of COVID um, to be rolled out by local authorities on, I suppose, what we would call a shared scheme, a bit like the city bike scheme in Dublin, but a shared scheme. Um, and I remember saying it to the minister, and he said, so you wouldn't allow private ones initially? And I said, I said no, actually, I let this roll out for 12 months, uh, that different local authorities uh, would set the different kind of rules and regulations, but there would be a national speed governing, et cetera, et cetera. And because what we saw in other countries, and I, I really fear that it could happen here, is that they get such a bad name um, that people become terrified as, as long as regulations aren't introduced, speed limits and all of that uh, aren't introduced. But that if we brought this in, people get used to them on the street. They get used to the fact that GPS technology um, geofences them, uh, has the ability to prevent them going in pedestrian areas. Or if I'm on my, my and I know you know this, but for anybody who might be listening, so if I'm on a scooter going along St. Stephen's Green and decide to go down Grafton Street, they can be, I have to dismount it. We'll just slow down slowly to a stop and I won't be able to, to ride it down Grafton Street. And people will see that actually they have huge potential for that first kilometre or that last kilometre. I often think of the convention centre from Leinster House, uh, mm -hmm. the city bikes, the e-scooter would be absolutely perfect. 
But if it goes wrong, and I'd hate to see it go wrong, as you would hate to see it go wrong. You've seen when it was introduced, when Lyme introduced them in the States and they ended up being banned off university campuses. Uh, some cities banned them because they ended up as litter on the streets and uh, because of lack of regulation. So we have the ability to really learn uh, from those mistakes. I'd love to see us get to private individual use. And it's just my view, having uh, ridden them, really enjoyed them, that actually a great way to go would be this shared city bike scheme where you rent them, hire them. People would, the public would get to uh, see them, uh, get comfortable with them, realize that their speed is capped or can be capped. So they're not a danger to cyclists or e-cyclists and pedestrians. Um, But I think in summary, Barry, we're getting close to where we're introducing them, which is really exciting. Um, I think we all agree they can they can add incredibly. Uh, I think when we I I remember when I bought my bike, there's a, a man in Rathgar, Alex McDonald, and I remember him family were in the business years ago. He was really fearful at the introduction of the city bike scheme as a bike seller. He thought this is going to put me out of business. And of course, what we've seen, what's happened is that there's just been this huge surge in interest in cycling. Mm-hmm. And he kind of has felt the same about the introduction of the e-bikes. And we know what's happened. There's this been huge, big splurge. Mm-hmm. But we need to get some ministers on these e-bikes and we need to get them on the e-scooters and, and show them what they can do, what they can't do, what the technology can do, what, what the restrictions are, and show them the potential of it, uh, that they're really exciting bits of technology. John, you mentioned Lime there, which people may or may not know. It's a kind of an international company that provides scooters for rent, essentially through an app on the streets, as you said, in America. But they're also available in Paris and I think Copenhagen and Brussels. I know in Paris, certainly, they were a major problem as well, where people would finish using them and they might leave them lying down on the street where somebody would trip over them or things like that. How do you prevent that from happening with your scheme? Okay, so the technology, and Alan will know this, uh, actually DCU Alpha and another crew in UCD, these are all, these are guys half my age, uh, incredible entrepreneurs using great technology. Okay, so you don't have to have docking stations like we do with the city bikes, but using that GPS technology, uh, they can do a number of things. For a start, they can now locate a bike to within a foot of where it is. So if someone left it leaning up against a wall uh, on Dawson Street, the uh, operator will know exactly where it is and can arrange to pick it up. Or we can use that word geofencing. In other words, create uh, geographical uh, electronic fenced areas around the city where Barry Ward hires one of these and you can't leave it at the side of the street or you continue to be charged or there'll be a penalty charge. You must return it to a number of areas and there'll be multiple areas, maybe two car, two parallel car parking spaces for example, and it cannot be left anywhere except there. Um, And you mentioned, uh, uh, so DCU, for example, has partnered with a company uh, called Blue Duck in the States. I think there's 18,000 students in DCU. It's as big as the population of Kilkenny City. So what they want to do is actually use it just on campus. Theirs wouldn't be allowed, you you know, uh, wider use. And again, you can geofence it. So a DCU student couldn't take it into, into the city. They could only uh, ride it around uh, to allow them to connect with different parts of the campuses. Right. Okay. Alan, I mean, do you, your model would allow, obviously, for private ownership. And one of the things that your bill does is to create an offence of tampering with the speed limiter that's built into most products that come into Ireland. Um, I'm, I'm also aware that there are... are 
e-scooters available for sale that as you mentioned yourself that you can be brought in from abroad that that seem to be able to reach astonishing speeds beyond what is safe or reasonable how do you deal with that aspect of of people bringing their own scooters in is it just that they would be outside the law or how do you see that evolving yeah i think that is the difficulty that i i wouldn't dissuade john's um trial period but but it 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 I suppose it doesn't necessarily acknowledge that under the hood of, of all of these devices is years of development, R&D, and uh, consumer uh, assessment as to what exactly it is people want. very good example is the UK, and John is absolutely correct. Uh, they're common law jurisdiction, they're near neighbours, where our fellow Celts, or at least a lot of us are. Uh, so there's a lot of crossover between the two countries. There's a huge amount that we can learn from them and other near European neighbours. I mean, I fell in love with the idea of the micro, the electric micromobility aid when I visited Berlin in 2015. And in 2016, I did a wee bit of research here uh, using the Library and Research Service in, in, in Dáil and Shannon Aaron. And from there, I looked at the Roads Act. And I am a mere backbencher, as we all are. Uh, but one of the things I learned in that time is that Backbenchers really shouldn't be going anywhere near road traffic legislation. I think John would be with me on that one. Agreed. <laughs> but, but such is the demand for these devices and such is the proliferation of them in society already. I think we're going way past the point of merely looking at it as a trial. I think what we need to do is do a body of research within the Department of Transport to recognise that these things are here and they're not going away. And we could, with a strike of a pen, we could absolutely provide certainty that they are illegal and but they would still be here um, and i think we need to move beyond that point so as to make sure that the safety features of these devices like as you mentioned the speed limit which you know you could have a discussion about that element in terms of what other eu jurisdictions have done but the rule of thumb is 25 kilometers per hour so i propose that after that point the electric motors stops working uh, so you'd want to be pushing yourself pretty quick on a scooter to get at a whole 25k. But on a bicycle, electric bicycle, you could well exceed that with just pedal power. And I'm not suggesting for a moment that an electric bike be limited to 25 kilometres, but the motor will be. And I think it's important as well to recognise that technology is emerging at such, in such a way that, you know, I, I'm, I'm a relatively big guy. I'm, I'm, I'm just under 190 centimetres, uh, you know, I weigh just under 100 kilos. So a, uh, uh, the power output also becomes a factor in consideration for these things. So 250 watts is what I've proposed. But more importantly, I've prescribed that the minister would establish mm -hmm. the specifications for the scooter and the electrically assisted pipe, uh, pedal cycle for the bill so that he can create regulation around it. And, and that's in section three. Correct, it is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it is important as well that, you know, and the offence in regard to uh, 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 interfering with the device in any way is in, under Section 4. Um, I've also prescribed, you know, the banning of use of mobile phones. It's not exactly a bicycle. You can't sit back and mm. use the phone. Electric scooters really do need two hands. And, and I Although I do that. see people who fitted saddles to them, kind of stand-up saddles that sit on the platform. It's extraordinary. Correct. And, mm. and again, I, I'm, I'm not going to say either way in a piece of primary legislation to get into that level of detail. Mm. That's the reason we're here in the first place. Too much detail in historic legislation 
which has led to overly prescriptive decisions being made by the courts and by the legislature. Mm-hmm. And, and what I'm saying is that we really do need to simplify that. Now, just if I can touch for a moment, Barry, on the minister's proposal, because it is obviously important in the context of what both John and I would like to achieve, and, and that is the regularization of these devices across the Irish market. So the minister is proposing to amend at committee stage uh, a, a piece of draft legislation, which is currently before the Transport Committee uh, at pre-legislative scrutiny, which is a very, very unusual way of doing it. I've never heard of this happening before, where a bill, uh, and it is known that these amendments are to be made. Um, I'm hearing timelines of as long as eight months, so the, the end of 2021. And if I'm honest, and I have to be in this scenario, and I, and I certainly appreciate scooter the scooter agenda, is in the programme for government. Yes, because of Fine Gael and Fine Fáil, but primarily because of the Green Party. And I will recognise that, um, that it probably may not have gotten in so easy had there been just the two parties or a, a mix of others, because there are there are reluctances there uh, in the political system. Um, but unfortunately, it appears the way in which this has been approached, although simplified and won't require my bill or indeed John's, does make it more difficult for the legislature to justify letting pre-ledge go through the process, going into both Dáil and Shanadair and then being amended at a later stage. And I'll give you an example why. My understanding of it is that there are elements within the Road Safety Authority who are suggesting that the delays to the uh, roads bill, uh, which is currently in, in before the committee, is going to be delayed by a considerable period of time because of these potential committee stage amendments. And so it then goes back to, well, why don't we do it as a standalone bill? And of course, that's where John and I come in because we've done the work. So um, there are some difficulties with the process that has been adopted. Um, I'm not criticising them. I'm just suggesting that they may delay it more than you might expect. Now, the bill that you're referring to is the Road Traffic Miscellaneous Provisions Bill, is that right? But that hasn't actually been introduced yet. It has not. It is merely a draft at this point, Barry. Mm-hmm. Sorry, John, did you want to come in there? Yeah, no, just a dovetail on what Alan was saying there. Like, the big shame now, uh, what you the UK managed to do just by regulating it on a trial basis was use COVID, was use the cover of COVID and the lack of peak traffic and plus the fact that public transport was operating at anything below 25% capacity in the very early days and uh, we're still at 25% capacity by the time this might come through, we could be back to peak traffic in Dublin again, mm. which would be a real shame because it would have been a great incubation period where the roads are relatively free. And then as traffic slowly began to come back, as it has done, hasn't really hit the city big time yet, that drivers could say, oh, oh these guys and girls are on the, uh, the e-scooters. Haven't seen them before. That's a new part of it. But they would have had the space and time uh, to be included and um, that's the first thing. Second thing is, and it's interesting what Alan is saying, because in the UK, for example, looking at their uh, regulations, they require a, a provisional license, um, yes. which, you know, so it shows you kind of how seriously they were taking it. Like Alan, it was Berlin. Berlin introduced me to the Segway. And one of the things I've often said is that you, you're not, a, I remember doing a Segway here in, in um, Phoenix Park with my brother, a tour, which was fantastic. And I've tried a Segway four times in different parts of the world, and you cannot go out on the open road until you've had the 10-minute figure of eight 
kind of little trial uh, and number of occasions. And there was stats from Berlin that half of those uh, who hired e-scooters had never been on an e-scooter before. Uh, so what's really interesting is how the companies have um, tried different ways to um, uh, incorporate that knowledge into their offerings. Some of them uh, would propose a little online trial or an app on your phone that takes you through it before. Others would have it would propose having a little space um, where you could actually do it before you get on it. Um, I'm just kind of recognizing that it's a different kind of kit. I've talked to Tishik lately, actually, and, you know, and I said, uh, we're going to get you on, on an e-scooter. And he says, I'll do an e-bike. Don't know about an e-scooter. <laughs> you just you just move your right leg, you know, and, uh, and you're away. But they are dangerous, John, in many respects. Oh, no, I, absolutely, yeah. yeah. They, yeah. they don't have the grip no, yeah. or the stability that a bicycle yeah. has. Yeah, absolutely. They have improved, and Alan might talk more about this. I mean, when I started looking at them maybe three years ago, small, light, blah, blah, blah. Now they've done big jobs on the, the lighting, on the health and safety aspects on it. On the, um, Some of them come with collapsible helmets built in, um, some with indicators. Uh, they've gone big on that, and they're a much more robust piece of kit. Well, certainly... We'll say the shared ones are much more robust than some of the ones you can buy privately. I think the three of us would agree that. So Ray Coyne, CEO of Dublin Bus, has seen that, and this would take privately owned ones. You couldn't use uh, shared schemes for what Ray Coyne would have in mind. Is that I live about three quarters of a kilometre from my bus. It puts me off getting the bus sometimes, but if I had an e-scooter, a collapsible one or whatever, I could scoot to the bus that kilometre, that first kilometre, uh, bring my scooter on the bus um, and get off with the bleeding horse. It leaves me a kilometre to get to Leinster House and take that last kilometre. But I think where we'd all love to go to get to is that if kids, if we have the facilities, the off-road facilities, it's that school-going kids of, we'll say, from nine or ten upwards or whatever could actually use them and their parents would know the off-road facilities are there for them, the scooter lanes are there for them, they're safe, they can't go over a certain speed, et cetera, et cetera. And they're an added piece. You're right, Barry. You wouldn't go, you know, on a greasy surface, I wouldn't fancy them. I wouldn't fancy uh, using them coming in from knock line 11 kilometers. No, thank you. Um, yeah, the vibrations are quite severe as well, aren't they? Yeah, so they have a purpose. And some people will say it's, the, it's for the 1K or 2K or, or, or whatever. Um, and they do fit in. And just as we learned about the city bikes, what's interesting about the city bike scheme is they, they didn't challenge, they didn't threaten any other form of public transport. They just augmented it. Um, and there's plenty there's plenty space for all, for all of these. But I do think, and I'll finish on this because I said I'm, I'm going to have to depart in a minute or two. And thanks for the opportunity for this conversation. And this is really good. I think the missed opportunity was empty roads for a year where people could have gotten used to them and, and see them work and become confident of them. Because as you know from other experiences, they could go badly wrong and people would say, no, we don't like these. These are dangerous. They're on footpaths. They're on everything. And they're in my way. And they're like litter people. Oh, yeah. One of the things, sorry, is the, is the um, that comes up and often we can I can forget uh, to my shame is uh, people with impaired vision, you know, uh, using footpaths or, or uh, whatever facilities, pedestrian facilities around the city. They're an important cohort of people to look after, that that uh, scooter litter can't become 
a feature. It would just be catastrophic for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Can, can I ask you both to finish then? I mean, I know, Alan, your bill kind of leaves it up to the minister to make, to make decisions, but one of you mentioned licensing. John, I think you were talking about licensing in the UK. Do you see a situation where when we get to the end of this regulatory road, you need a license, you need to wear a helmet, you need to have insurance that these are taxed? What do you think, and maybe I'll come to you first, John, if you have to go, what do you think of those things will be in place on scooters if and when we finalise this process? If this is the last question, I'll wait till Alan has finished. So, look, I think a licence is too far, but I think it's, uh, we'd say, rules of the road uh, knowledge. It's just to indicate that these are kind of different. Others will say, well, what about the e-bike and what about push bikes? The insurance in terms of the shared scheme, Alan will know more about privately buying them, but most of the providers would provide the liability insurance. It would be built into the tariff. Um, that that you pay, so that's actually it's it's a, a big part of it. I wouldn't I wouldn't insist on a, a driving license. I think the Brits did that just. To, I think it was interesting because of their trial. That hey guys, this is a this is a tricky bit of kit. It's not just like getting up on a bike. It is uh, there's a mechanically propelled aspect to it as well. Alan probably has done more research on whether that's required or not the licensing piece. Yeah, no, no, John, John is right. Uh, as part of the research that I mm-hmm. undertook, uh, I did look at many different jurisdictions, but in, in the Irish context, I suppose I was taken by uh, the statements by all parties and none in the previous stall in the 32nd stall, which really led me to believe that there was no desire for us to have registration or, or uh, flowing from that insurance as a result um, and, and I very much studied the, the use of bicycles in Ireland and the issues uh, where a bicycle has an accident, where it scratches a car and fault is determined and things like that. And I just felt that overcomplicating um, what is another form of cycle um, by bringing in regulations and having to look at excise duties and the Finance Act and other things like that might be just over 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 complicating it. Mm-hmm. So my 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 view and where I settled was to treat them as bicycles, which uh, largely speaking, although this bill was originally written before the program for government, although I've amended it heavily since, treated them as a bicycle, and that and that is the overarching desire. Um, I understand why the UK went down their particular road; it made sense for them. Uh, I'm not sure as to whether the 1961 Act um, is as prescriptive in the UK as it would be in Ireland, where it specifically excludes certain items from registration and therefore insurance. But here, as I mentioned, I I missaid road train. What I meant to say was tram car. Tram cars are are road users, but are exempted from the Roads Act, uh, as are bicycles. And I'm proposing to merely add, uh, merely add, electric scooters to that category yeah because i think sorry that uh, children's scooters are excluded if they travel at less than six kilometers per hour so i did have somebody complain to me that their child's electric scooter um would be illegal and i was able to assure them that that was not the the case but can i just go back very briefly barry to to comment that that uh, john made at the start in relation to geofencing and a really important point to make in this um, and I agree with them entirely. You know, we have really horror cases, examples of where these have been rolled out without too much consideration and certainly not enough regulation. Um, my bill, and indeed by the sense of the John's bill, provides that the local authorities will take a lead in this. So I can certainly see multiple shared schemes operating in a city the size of Dublin. 
But one has to bear in mind that these devices have the ability to travel as much as 50 kilometers, depending on the size of the battery. Now, like you both, I wouldn't want to travel 50 kilometers on mine. Uh, And with the right tires, the vibrations and the ability to slip and things like that diminishes dramatically. My first incarnation of these devices was a solid plastic mass with very little grip. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm a relatively heavy person. And the thing went from under me fairly quickly on a tarmac road. Uh, I then changed the wheels and it made a dramatic difference. But the, the, the weight distribution on these devices is not like a bicycle. It's not like a car. If you turn a corner at the wrong speed, it will go from under you. And that has to be borne in mind. So I do agree with the principle that John has suggested, which is that a, a knowledge of the rules of the road is there. And I brought in an age limit of 16. That's right, the 16, yeah. There are, though, a number of individuals. And you see them, John has mentioned, the journey from the convention centre to Leinster House and back. And you do see a lot of younger people on them. Um, And I do look at them and say, well, they're on the market. They're being sold in 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 the retail sphere at the minute and indeed online. They're being bought for less than 300 euros. Um, we need to make sure that the law catches up and the standards catch up. We can't rely upon the industry because the industry could be in China. Uh, the industry could be in Indonesia. We need to make sure that these uh, this equipment is brought in at the right standard for the European market, for the Irish market, to ensure that uh, we don't have that negative experience. And my final point in relation to geofencing and, and what we've learned from those other jurisdictions. Really important to recognise that, you know, while you mightn't have a docking station like the Dublin Bike Scheme, you might have a racking station. You might have a confined lo- location. And I, I'm glad John used the comparator of parking spaces. I see these devices as a replacement for those car parking spaces. And not to take away from business owners who want their customers parked nearby, but if customers have the Lewis and the Dart and hopefully soon the Metrolink and Metro West or even Metro South and other Lewis lines and things like that, and in conjunction with the likes of Bus Connects, the last mile that these devices are designed for, the last couple of kilometres, is precisely what these should be used for. And for private users, like John getting on his bus and getting off, uh, he, he can fold it and carry it. My one is 26 kilos, kind of heavy, to be honest, but manageable. Um, and I think that there are options there for people to use them for that short bit in the in the morning, that short bit in the evening while using sustainable transport to get to their place of work or study. And I think that that's where the end game for this process is. Two points, yeah. Barry, just to, um, my office in Leinster House, I'm looking out a window and there's a large UPS uh, uh, container um, here. It's been here for a number of months. And uh, every day, UPS cargo bikes come in here, offload from that container and distribute to various different parts of, of the city. So rather than, you know, these vans and trucks, and it's going to be part of micromobility in Dublin, I suspect, um, you can see that here is a centralized area where this, the, uh, these cargo bikes, these three-wheeler car, cargo bikes come in and pick up their, their gear. And the other thing, <clears throat> um, up to 30 constabularies in the UK actually decided to take part 
in the trial themselves and took up to 30 or 40 e-scooters into their constabulary. And I look, I just think there's multiple applications, particularly for, yeah. for the Gardaí, actually. I've often thought that, uh, that have stretched out districts. So if we were to go back to where we started at the finish, I don't care as long as the scheme comes in, that it's really well regulated with a premium placed on safety and that we don't squander the opportunity. I'd love it to have come in by now before we get back to peak traffic or anything like mm-hmm. it. It just, I think, would be a little uh, uh, a little trickier trying to bring it in and peak traffic, you know. Um, but it's exciting. has a huge amount of potential, definitely. Yeah, I think you're right, uh, both of you. And I think it's probably a nice place to end it is that I think we are looking at the future of micromobility. It's an exciting opportunity. Hopefully, the work that you've done in the two bills uh, will either become law or become part of the law that the minister is committed to ultimately bringing in, but certainly a great deal of work and preparation done here that's going to help the formation of policy as we go forward. So, um, John LaHart TD, Alan Farrell TD, thank you both very much for joining us. Joined now by a former TD, uh, Noel Rock, former Fine Gael TD for Dublin Northwest constituency. Noel, thanks very much for joining us. Um, uh, thank you. You were a trailblazer in this, on this subject. I mean, you're now uh, outside the political, the direct political arena working as a political consultant with Pixel Consulting. Um, but when you were in Leinster House, one of the, I suppose, the subjects that you, you were a trailblazer on was the regulation of e-scooters. Can you tell us a little bit about the background or how that came about? Yeah, of course, Senator. And thank you very much for having me on, first of all. Um, in terms of the background to how I came to realising that there would be a need to legislate for these vehicles, um, I would have been abroad in 2017 uh, and I saw the popularity of them. Uh, I think it was in Israel. I saw the popularity of them. And then thereafter, on another trip, I was on my holidays in Germany and I saw you know, how many people were using these vehicles. And I realised these are going to take off in Ireland in a big way in time. Um, so in the same way as I, I saw the kind of anticipated need maybe for ticket-touting legislation, which was brought through cabinet by, uh, by our Taunashta, uh, Leo Bradker, um, just this week, I also saw the sort of the trend over the horizon, if you like, uh, that e-scooters would become more popular and accordingly would, there would be a need, if you like, to, uh, to legislate for them. And have you been keeping abreast of the developments? I mean, you put forward your own legislative proposals in this regard, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I, I drafted some legislative proposals, but even at the time, if you look back at the record, Senator, you'll see that uh, the minister at the time, Minister Ross, would have been quite negative on the issue altogether. And it became obvious that there was really, uh, there was no real point, if you like, in putting that legislation before that particular doll with that particular mm-hmm. minister in situ in a minority government situation, because it was quite obvious that um, he wasn't going to act on it. So what I did instead was I, I implemented a sort of a breadcrumb trail, if you like, of actions within the department and calling for actions within the department that I hoped would give a, a, a framework and a foundation in order to allow legislation to, to, to take place in the future. So the kind of the key component of that was the minister asking the RSA, the Road Safety Authority, to commission a report uh, which was carried out by, uh, by, by, by TRL, which is the Transport uh, Research Laboratory, uh, and they're based in the UK, and they uh, compiled a, a very detailed dossier on the, the, the implementation of either regulations or legislation in comparable countries, mostly European countries, uh, and how that worked and what the effect was. And that's proven a, a very useful tool, if you like, because it's a, a sort of a state-sanctioned tool 
by which to, 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 to make the point, to make the argument for change in this regard. Because I think you'd agree, Senator, and it's quite obvious that, you know, these vehicles are being used, particularly in Dublin. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, ignoring it isn't really a solution. And while legislative work yeah. might be difficult and there are different opinions on how to do that, it's still necessary and worthwhile. I think I was talking to uh, Alan Farrell TD and John Lahart TD who have put forward slightly different bills on the subject but that is exactly what was being said it's out there but it does appear that the landscape now has changed and we understand that Minister Ryan as the Minister for Transport has said that he will bring forth regulatory changes to make sure that they can be put into effect do you think therefore that that we're kind of coming to the end of this road and that in the next short while we will have proper regulation and availability of e-scooters and electric bikes I think so. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's been a sea change in terms of, you know, both capacity and in terms of vision with regard to Minister Ryan taking over from Minister Ross. And I think that's really led to a a kind of a a real change of attitude within the department about legislating for these vehicles. So Minister Ryan has obviously flagged his intentions here. It is contained within the programme for government. I would expect that whether it's uh, Deputy Lahart's legislation, Deputy Farrell's legislation, or indeed the anticipated path of an amendment coming forward uh, to the bill, which is presently before the Transport Committee, I would anticipate that there will be a change. Yeah. Uh, Alan Farrell was talking about that, and he was saying he kind of thought it was a slightly extraordinary way to do it, to amend legislation that hasn't yet, in fact, been introduced. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it's an unusual instrument, all right, Senator. I would agree with you there. Though I suppose the fact that it's been so well flagged at this stage means that it's not taking any stakeholder or any legislator really by surprise in any respect. And so I suppose even though it is somewhat unusual in terms of the, the mechanism, it isn't a surprise. No, no, no legislator could say they were blindsided by it. Yeah. Um, can you give us a brief summary of what it was that your bill did or how, how your bill was going to introduce a regularization, if you like, of e-scooters? Yeah, so, so in effect, it wasn't entirely dissimilar um, to the, the, the current scheme as it's envisaged, which is the personal power transporters, or PPTs, living in a, in a layer sort of distinct and separate from regular push bicycles, if you like, and also living separately and distinctly from uh, the, the categories beyond mopeds, cars, et cetera, et cetera. So it was creating that kind of third distinctive category, if you like. It, we didn't call them personal power transporters. I think they were they were called micromobility vehicles within the envisioned mm-hmm. legislation, but in effect that they would more or less be treated like bicycles, though there would be, for example, a minimum age limit on them. There would be a maximum engine capacity on them um, so as to ensure safety, because I think one of the great misgivings perhaps that many members of the public have about them is perceptions on safety. So I think it's important from the outset that you enshrine the, the best possible standards there and I'd be hopeful that Minister Ryan, being a keen cyclist himself, is mindful of that. Yeah, I think one of the, the, the things, I suppose, is what regulatory regime would be placed on them. You wouldn't be in favour then, I presume, from what you're saying, uh, of a licensing regime requiring them to be taxed, requiring them to be insured, that kind of thing? No, I don't, I don't think so, Senator. I think as long as the speed and, for example, the, uh, the, the engine capacity is kept capped, I think it would be far more beneficial to keep it in line with European peer countries in that regard around things like tax, like insurance, uh, like driving licenses. Um, now, in some jurisdictions, they've deviated from that somewhat, but I think in terms of getting the maximum benefit from it, and the maximum benefit being reducing gridlock, increasing capacity, 
Um, public transport capacity is obviously low right now at 25%. It's going to remain low uh, for the foreseeable future. So having a sort of a personal form of transport that's COVID safe and uh, isn't really causing gridlock in any meaningful way, I think will have kind of myriad benefits. So I think having it as open as possible with the best safety standards possible, I think is the, is the way to go. Well, isn't that the key, I suppose, to why the, this regulation is necessary? Because you have an opportunity for people to travel without occupying lots of space, without being a contributor to traffic or indeed carbon emissions. And now is the time to do it. One of the things John LaHart was saying was that it's a shame that it hasn't happened before now because roads have been quieter and there was an opportunity there for people to get used to using micro mobility scooters and things like that. Um, how do you feel about that? It is. It is a shame. And Deputy Lahart is right in that regard. I suppose the reality of it is that Ireland, you know, is one of the last European nations now to implement a framework, a regulation and indeed legislation around this. Um, obviously, that there's downsides to that, but equally there's upsides to that. And we should highlight those as well, which is that we can build atop some of the experiences and some of the challenges that have been faced in other European countries around you know, irresponsible user behaviours around safety, around parking, around the problems of giving too many licences to too many operators, uh, around stamping out irresponsible operator behaviour. And these are things I think that Ireland can definitely learn from and iterate from and implement. So there is an advantage in being a late mover in this regard. Uh, And I'd hope that the legislation and the regulation um, and, you know, the bylaws and so on that are passed by the councils in that regard I hope they capture some of those lessons. Well, uh, Noel Rock, former TD, and maybe TD again for Dublin Northwest. Uh, thanks for joining us. You were you were ahead of the curve on this one, and as you say, hopefully we'll see it coming to fruition in the coming months. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Irish Legislation Podcast with me, Barry Ward. You can get me on Twitter at Barry M Ward. Don't forget to subscribe, and you won't miss any of the episodes as they come up on a weekly basis while the Oireachtas is sitting. <laughs>